Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 441st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is finding purpose in educating about indoor farming. We're talking with Jill Shea about being a woman in the aquaponics world. Jill's farming story started in Orlando, Florida in exchange for free herbalism classes. Since 2006, she has been fortunate enough to both tend land and teach a variety of growing styles all over the U.S. She considers it a pleasure to now farm for Trifecta Ecosystems, where they help cities feed themselves through aquaponic growing innovation. Trifecta Ecosystems is creating incentives for communities to grow their own food while raising awareness about sustainable farming through education, workshops, and city projects. They do this by empowering farmers in urban environments and educating others on the true potential of aquaponics. Welcome to the show today, Jill. Are you ready to rock aquaponics? Yes, I am. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, absolutely. So a big part of my story, actually, my farming story started out completely by accident. I was a writing major in college, and I was just interested in learning more about herbal medicine, just sort of as a way to take care of myself as an alternative to conventional medicine. And had the pleasure of meeting Emily Ruff, who is an amazing woman, still doing work in Orlando, Florida, through the the Florida School of Holistic Living. And she teaches herbalism classes there. And at the time, she allowed me to exchange farm labor for free herbalism classes. Nice. So, yeah, I was really lucky because I got to learn about plants firsthand in the classroom, but then was able to go tend a garden right next door and on her urban homestead. So that's sort of where it all started. And from there, I had an opportunity to travel to different farms around the country. Again, kind of trial by fire, I started working at a dairy farm in Vermont and teaching students about growing pepper farms in New Mexico, community farms in Massachusetts. And farming really allowed me to travel, which was exciting. But 
every time I kind of gained something new from the experience. So I worked with a lot of old school organic farmers and essentially led me to Connecticut where I've worked with some amazing organic growers that when I transitioned to aquaponics sort of gave me the the big X and said, you know, I was doing bad things for the earth. And part of my mission is kind mm-hmm. of dispelling that. What's that about? I think a lot of people associate aquaponics with chemical growing purple lights in a, in a lab somewhere. So a lot of what I try to do is let people know that aquaponics is actually extremely sustainable. You know, it's the growing of plants and fish in one ecosystem using beneficial bacteria and it's doing a lot of things that happen in the soil, but in the water, essentially. So it's for me, it's having to educate some of those old growers I've worked with to assure them that I'm still I still have a lot of organic principles in mind. I still do all organic growing at home, but aquaponics has a lot to offer and a lot to teach people still. Yeah. We had uh, Chad Hudspeth on the show Mm -hmm. early on in our first 20 or so episodes talking about aquaponics and he calls them Mm -hmm. fish powered gardens. Can you say a little bit more about exactly how a fish powered garden works? Yeah, I like that uh, little phrase. So essentially, if you think about the fish and what their waste is capable of producing, uh, it kind of, it's sort of like a built-in fertilizer if you're thinking about it from a soil growing method. But the fish generate what you need to grow the plants is the very brief way of saying that. But their waste gets sent through filtration broken down into all the most useful, beneficial parts, sent through water that is then filtered through the roots of the plants and gets sent back. We have a a totally open system where the plant water is being fed back into the fish water mm-hmm. and they essentially benefit each other. So that's sort of the fish are powering the plants to grow and the plants are filtering the water for the fish to be able to grow and live in healthy conditions as well. So what on earth could anybody have a problem with that about? That's basically nature in action, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. I think it all boils down to education. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that sometimes it sounds scary or intimidating. And there are some hydroponic growers I know that, you know, do use chemicals that yeah. are being put into the water that then get sent out into the world. So it's sort of about educating the difference between those two methods, Perfect. Yeah. So you're working for a company that's actually building these systems around the country, Trifecta Ecosystems. Tell me about this. Tell me about your farming operation with them. Absolutely. So it's such an amazing place. I, I honestly feel so proud to be a part of our team. And what the the founding members did initially was, you know, they went from sort of a backyard system. The thing about aquaponics is it's very much a hobbyist sport, still something that right. is growing from that hobbyist game to a commercial scale. So the guys took their experience in backyard growing and brought it to the commercial level, essentially. And we do that in our Meriden hub right now through deep water culture aquaponics, which is essentially raft beds floating on top of deep water. So bringing that style of commercial growing into what in our case is a big warehouse in a small town in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. 
we've tried to show people that you can really grow in any space, in any environment, and really with any skill set as well. There's a lot of different skills that can be applied. Anyhow, we can get into that later. But Trifecta as a whole really works on building systems for people, creating curriculum for schools, tying into STEAM education. Aquaponics is STEAM rolled into one little farm style. We also do salad subscriptions and CSAs and farmer's markets, all of those standard things that you expect from a farm. But a lot of it for us is connecting building systems and education so people can bring this into their lives and also grow on a commercial scale with relatively low cost up front. You know, they can pay off much faster. And A big thing that I see people facing right now, and I'm part of a few farming associations in the area, so many people are concerned about access to land right now. Oh, yeah. And aquaponics is such a direct response to that. And I think that's really what Trifecta is trying to do is bridge those gaps. And a big part of our mission is creating the city that feeds itself. So cities that can put aquaponics systems in and feed their communities, essentially. So you're producing vegetables and fish. Exactly. Yeah. Our facility right now pretty much just does leafy greens and herbs, lettuces, kales, cooking greens, things like that. But a big part of our mission also involves farm to school. So it's also about going into the school system, seeing what their needs are for food, fresh food, and figuring out how to put that into the classroom, put that into their plates, essentially. So mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So you're, you're actually personally interacting with school systems and people in the public? Yeah, absolutely. A big part of my function is to run the farm itself in Meriden and where we've expanded to other locations and have client systems that we work on. So it's partially educating people that way, but it's also just doing the nitty gritty. And what I tell people a lot of times is that aquaponics isn't very Googleable at this stage. Right. So <laughs> a lot of things that we do are very learning in the moment, mm-hmm. trial by fire. And so a big part of what my role is, is, is to kind of discover where those areas that we can pinpoint and make the experience slightly more precise and predictable. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Uh-huh. Janice might have, might have told you I do this occasionally. So <laughs> I want to know, in your interacting with the public about your mm-hmm. aquaponic systems, is there one person, one student, one young person, one older person that they so deeply got it that it was it impacted you? It's like there was a moment when it was like, wow, this is the reason I'm doing this? Yeah, definitely. So one of the projects that we've done in the past that was something I was very passionate about was at the Arc of Meriden. So we work with intellectually and developmentally disabled individuals there and do skills training and just sort of hands-on learning. And I worked, it wasn't necessarily a particular person because I loved all of them individually, but Mm -hmm. it was really the group experience of interacting with the plants, being really eager to taste what was coming off of the system. They were part of a program that 
had to do with healthy eating in general, but that was one of those times where I, that making that direct connection was very real, very meaningful to them. And I saw the experience as a fresh thing through their eyes. So that was really inspiring and motivating to keep educating people about this and to keep getting through the challenges of this new mode of growing. Yeah. What I find after teaching almost 30 years, this stuff is when people get it, Mm -hmm. it's like magic happens. Definitely. When people come to our farm, it's funny because we, it's not sort of your typical farm, right? It's in the old warehouse. So Mm -hmm. you kind of walk through a small hallway and it's always like this big reveal like they do on those house shows, like, and here's your brand new house. It's like when you open the door, there's this totally different farm than people are expecting to see. Mm -hmm. And it really is kind of a jaw dropper. And it's one of those things where everybody has that moment of like, wow, this is crazy and amazing. (laughs) So I'm really proud to be a part of that experience for a lot of different people who come to visit us because it's exciting. It's exciting to see in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. It's exciting to see something just kind of different. So it's kind of instantly inspiring for people, which is really fun to watch. Wow. Yeah. So we mentioned in the bio in the beginning that we're talking with you about being a woman in the world of aquaponics. Let's kind of tease that apart a little bit because, you know, I've interviewed quite a few people on aquaponics, but never a woman. And Mm -hmm. given that you brought that topic to the conversation, talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, you know, I've I've read so much about the, the role of women in farming, which there are so many in the country and in the world. But I think for some of these specialized areas of farming where people are still figuring out their own roles within it, regardless of their gender, some of the same stereotypes do tend to fall into place. You know, a lot of what we do still has to do with tech and engineering, and those are conventionally male-run or male-dominated fields. And I think for me, it's really not even feeling like I'm the only woman doing this, because I'm certainly not. There's a lot of amazing aquaponic female farmers in the country that I know of, but it's about telling other young women in these fields that there's so much opportunity in this industry. Mm -hmm. And that if you're a young girl who's interested in science, there's a direct line to how to apply those skills in the food space, which people might not expect. So for me, it's really uh, being a woman in this industry, there are things that sometimes still happen. I think a story I told you um, before was about going to a bait and tackle shop because I needed a a specific fishnet. And, you know, the gentleman behind the counter asked me if I was, if I needed this for a gift for my husband, you know, Mm -hmm. so things like that still happen. But for me, it's really exposing to people and to young women specifically that there's so much opportunity for advancement and exploration in this field Mm -hmm. that I want more women to know about it because we need you. Yeah. So this term ag tech has come up a little bit. You talked about STEM and, uh, you know, this is really the science background of this stuff. Can you say more about ag tech and how it fits into aquaponics? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, as I've mentioned before, so much room for innovation in this field. But a big part that I think is 
somewhat intimidating for people who maybe come from a more conventional soil farming background who don't really believe in the idea of automation or sensor systems or tracking because a lot of it has to do with apps and using technology that can be overwhelming, especially while working in a field. I can totally relate to that. But what the ag tech industry suggests to everyone is how can we make your life easier? And in the world of aquaponics, there's just so much opportunity to really precisely grow and track and get a better sense of what is happening in the growing cycle. Mm -hmm. And it eliminates a lot of work when it comes to record keeping, growth rates. You know, there's so many different factors that we're all doing as farmers by observing regularly and doing our best to keep good records. But it's been a difficult transition for me as well, to be honest. But the second that we start embracing technology for what it can do for us, I think it becomes a lot less intimidating to access. And with aquaponics, I see it sort of being this crucial backbone of being able to run larger scale systems. I will just make it easier to know what's going on in the background so you don't have to be there 24-7 breaking your back to get your work done. There's a lot of things that are sort of helping you along the way is sort of how I explain ag tech to people. Mm-hmm. Well, it automates it to a certain extent. So it's it's tracking and keeping your data, mm-hmm. making probably what checking pH, temperature, that kind of stuff as, as beginning things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I always want to assure people that I, you know, I don't necessarily believe in the future of, you know, robots growing our food or anything like that, which I think is how sometimes ag tech is perceived. Mm-hmm. I think that, again, it's about making our lives a little bit easier and using smart programs to essentially get us to a deeper level with ourselves where we have more time to do the important things. We can still be the operators and the planners, and there's still a human element that's really important to all of that. Cool. And what is the state of the industry right now? So the state of aquaponics is really interesting, and it's actually a global discussion. You know, there's really amazing things happening in Australia and Uganda and all over the U.S. There's a lot of hobbyist growers, but there aren't a ton of people doing this on a commercial scale. So I would say that the state of the industry is still very much hobby-based, but there's there's a lot of room to grow Mm -hmm. into a commercial scale. For sure. Well, and I think a big part of that is there's just not a lot of systems in place yet for aquaponics. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's a big part of what we're trying to grow to make easier for people. So it is something that people can get right into, get the training they need and start growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so it's, I always tell people I find it's much easier than soil farming a lot of the time. And it's something that really anybody can learn to do in a short amount of time, I think. Well, there's less problem with pests and, you know, that given Mm -hmm. that you're growing in beds that are raised, it's easier to harvest. And, you know, it just, it seems like it would be simpler. There's a lot of ways to to cut the difficulty and the uncertainty. And Mm -hmm. even just from a sustainability level there, you know, we conserve so much more water. You're not paying to, you know, water your crops every day and 
there's a lot of room to save on cost, really. The, there are certain costs, you know, like lighting, that uh, that's a major expense for sure. But as far as regular routine things, I find that soil farming drains your resources yeah. a lot quicker. I, I've seen it happen. So what opportunities are there for new farmers in this uh, aquaponic revolution, let's call it? There's so much room for new people coming into this field. You know, it you can come from any experience, any background. And there's, you know, we have such a diverse team that where we have engineers, we have marketers, we have social impact leaders, we have a sales team. And I think it's thinking about the difference of the food space and thinking about how many opportunities there are within one business. Mm -hmm. And with aquaponics, there's just so much room to be a specialist of anything, you know, whether it's aeration, dissolved oxygen, you know, marine biology, you know, just farming in general, plant science. There's so many different directions that you can take in the aquaponics world that, you know, we need input from everybody. Mm -hmm. We need every skill set present in a place and in a, an emerging technology and an emerging field. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So yeah. you you have a uh, an interesting uh, mission statement that refers mm -hmm. to a city that feeds itself. So I'm I just want to say a little bit before we go there, and that's that I have a dream about Phoenix. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, four point four million people, and between now and when I die, I have I figure I have about 30 years left on the planet. I want to figure out how to make Phoenix food secure, which means we're growing enough food to feed everybody. And that's where you guys are going. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. That's your mission, too. I, I think a big part of aquaponics for us is access. You know, it's giving people a, an, an opportunity to access their food in food deserted areas, you mm -hmm. know. Put it up in an old warehouse, put it up in your backyard and figure out how you can scale production through aquaponics. There's a lot of opportunity there. So a big part of our mission, yeah, is to get into these cities and allow people to feed themselves through aquaponic innovation. I personally believe that the solution to our global food problem is growing food in cities with technologies like this. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to shift on you. And I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Yeah. So I was thinking about this because I know you asked these questions and I was thinking about when I was working at a community farm, I was a full-time farmer uh, during the day. And then in the afternoons, we would have after school programs. And I usually taught high school students, but for this season, I was teaching third grade girls. And wow. I found, yeah, <laughs> I found that every day I was putting them to work and I felt like they weren't responding to me in the same way that high schoolers did. I felt like they weren't really excited or motivated. And I, you know, I don't know if it was one day that I overheard them saying that I was too tough or I was getting this feedback that they weren't really happy with doing this on the farm. I realized that I was so consumed by my work every day that I forgot about the part of farming that is really fun and enjoyable and is really about creating a connection. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and 
for these third grade girls. I was just like this, you know, uptight farmer who was too busy. And so for that particular day, we decided to race leaf boats down the stream. And that was my immediate way of getting over that failure. But in the long term, it was something where every time that I found myself getting so consumed by farming specifically, where I was tired or cranky or overworked, I always thought about those girls and how I kind of let them down in Mm. making that connection and sort of tried to view it through their eyes when I get into that headspace. So that was a huge learning experience for me from those girls. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. What, What do you consider your biggest success? So my biggest success is honestly probably just the year of 2018, actually. Last year was an amazing year for me. I turned 30. I got married to the love of my life. Congratulations. Thank you. We bought a house and, you know, it was also the year I started aquaponic farming. It's only been a year and I've grown so much and have had so much opportunity. So 2018 was a huge success story for me. Cool. And what drives you? Yeah. I would say what drives me, what gets me up every day is definitely creativity. I've always kind of been an artist and a writer in the background of farming. And I find that anything that kind of gives me a creative challenge or creative stimulation to do something great for people and my community is something that is really exciting to me. Just being able to offer creative opportunities and being given creative challenges is something that really fuels me. Oh, nice. Yeah. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and uh, um, I know that Leah Penniman was just on your show Mm -hmm. in January, and she spoke about braiding sweetgrass, and I'll second that, but I don't want to not give another book. So I'm sure people have recommended The Lean Farm by Ben Hartman. Um, Yes. That's a big one for me that is kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier about making space for yourself mm-hmm. through growing really efficiently, getting your systems down and making a lean farm super productive so you can have a life on the side. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's very important. Oh, big time. And we had him on our show. I'm just pulling it up right oh, now. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. Ben Hartman. Uh, on growing lean vegetables. That's episode 330, just about a year ago. So if you're interested uh, in the book, it's a great book. I have a copy of it here. And February 13th, uh, episode 330 of the Urban Farm Podcast. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I love giving advice. My favorite advice to give to people, especially anyone who I'm training as a farmer, is always to embrace this idea of a delicate firmness or a gentle grittiness, Mm -hmm. which is sort of what I think farming is all about, is having respect and grace for the work that you're doing, but to have a toughness about you too. Sometimes I give the analogy, it's the same as bunching Swiss chard. (laughs) You know, you have to be delicate, but you have to be firm to make sure that everything doesn't fall apart. That's a great analogy, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. Also, I've been thinking a lot about farm to school and how this is a huge opportunity for growers right now. A big part of what we're trying to do is not only bring food into the classroom, but just figuring out 
how to get access to fresh foods and to connect young people to growing in their communities. So aquaponics is definitely a way to spark that fascination. We actually spoke with 40 educators in Connecticut the other day about what's important to them in farm to school. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are talking about that hands-on connection actually showing kids a cucumber for the first time, potentially our big line that we've heard recently is, um, you can eat a plant. (laughs) Wow. You know, a lot of kids don't make that connection. So farm to school is something that's being emphasized by the government right now. And it's something that I think farmers have such a huge opportunity to tap into and what we're trying to do through the city that feeds itself right now. Well, and that's, you know, that's really where we need to start with the kids. First of all, because it starts them early. Secondly, if kids grow something, they're going to eat it, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's always how it goes. (laughs) They feel that sense of pride in what they're consuming and understanding that the taste is better and different and seeing that connection is pretty huge. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jill. Yeah, thank you for having me. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? So if they're interested in learning more about Trifecta, our website is trifectaecosystems.com. It's a great open place where you can ask us questions and also just read more about us. Um, Also more about the City That Feeds Itself initiative. That website is citythatfeedsitself.com. If you want to connect through me through Instagram, you can reach me at farmer underscore Jill S as in Sam. So yeah, those are three ways that you can connect with us directly, ask any questions about aquaponics or how to get started or interested. We, like I said, need as much input from as many people as possible. And I love to talk about it. Excellent. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Jill Shea. We are your urban farming resource. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? 
Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.